Empire. Teamworks is making the social distancing work. And it was just a hosted calendar in the internet that would sync up my class schedule. And then my coach could go in and put practice. My strength coach could put workouts. My trainer could put rehab and so on and so forth. And all those people were now able to passively collaborate with each other. That's Zach Moradis, the CEO of Teamworks, where communicating took on a whole new meaning during a global pandemic. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Zach Moradis is a former Duke football player who helped his team organize itself in the better times when we weren't thinking much about pandemics and social distancing. And in those normal times, his company pitches products that just make being a team easier. But in these times, it's become a lifeline for preparation. Our guest this week is the CEO of Teamworks, Zach Moritas. It's a platform that's used by pro and college teams to centralize and improve their communications. And man, have they had a year getting through communicating with one another. Hey, Zach, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Ram, I'm, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. So let's just talk about the lens of what you do through COVID-19, which hopefully as we're recording here, there's news about more vaccines coming out and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But can you kind of talk about your business over the last year plus? Yeah. So, you know, I think our, our business just kind of looking at it from the lens of the business and its growth, um, you know, I think like a lot of technology companies, we've been accelerated um, by the pandemic. We've seen, I think, faster uptake uh, in sports of technology in general during this time period. Um, you know, I think not without our own challenges. I mean, we took everybody uh, remote with, I think, 24 hours notice back in March. Um, so we had to kind of turn on a dime and figure out how do we um, do all the things that we used to do in an office in person and do them remote. And I think we've navigated that fairly well. Um, it, it's no question that there was an adjusting period uh, for everyone, but I think, you know, we, we've had a, a, a lot of success in going remote uh, and I'm grateful that we've been able to do that. Um, and, and I think, you know, to be honest with you, I think we've learned a lot. I think we're at a point now where, you know, we're looking back at this incredible forced experiment uh, that we've, been going through for now, you know, almost a year. And so, you know, what, what are the really good things that we've learned about our company, our culture, our processes? And, um, and I think there's a lot of things that, you know, frankly, hopefully as we move to a world that's post COVID, um, there's a lot of things that we're going to keep in place um, that we've learned from that, that experience. And how about from the team perspective as well? I mean, what are the things you're hearing that they've learned through this experience where they're saying, we're not going back to the old way either. Yeah. So I, you know, I think from, you know, the teams that we serve, obviously, you know, they've been forced to digitize a lot of the way that they do business from, you know, starting with film study, which I think you would have had a lot of coaches prior to this that would say, we got to have our, you know, and I'm talking football here. We got to have our guys in the building. um, We're watching film. And I think that that has continued to some extent, but, there's been a lot of teams that are now more open to and allowing their athletes to do 
more individual study remotely using technology to enable that. And I think they've found that to be a, a benefit. I think they found that, um, you know, their athletes, giving their athletes the ability to study film when and where they want means that they're going to study more film and be more prepared. Um, I think that you, you found, you know, how they feed the athletes. A lot of teams used to operate uh, dining halls that had food prepped and ready all the time. And because of concerns around COVID, they went to a system where they'd have athletes order their food in advance, order exactly what they want. And I think a lot of teams have found that that's generated, you know, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars of savings uh, because they've eliminated food waste. So I think there's a lot of things that, that teams have learned operationally during this time period that are going to make them more effective on the field. Uh, and again, using the example of giving athletes the ability to study and prepare when and where they want. And also, I think more effective as, as financial operations, as businesses, um, Again, you looking at the example of what they've done with food prep and, and food order from their athletes. So you are fully entrenched in college sports with almost 3,000 teams and, and more than half of the NFL, more than half of the NHL. You have, you have teams that you're working with in baseball and basketball as well. What did they say they needed from you when all this started happening? So, you know, I mean, there was a lot. So first off, I mean... <laughs> We, the first thing that happened is people just started using our product a lot more. I mean, the core of our product is a communications hub that's used to connect all the athletes and all the folks that serve those athletes. And so we just saw, you know, really increased load of day-to-day you know, -day messaging communication as things were changing, shifting schedules. But one of the things, you know, initially that, that came to us was, hey, um, we now need the ability to daily survey our athletes for COVID symptoms. We need to have the ability to do symptom checks. Um, we had another client, a, a, um, a conference that said, we need to, we need a solution for tracking, um, testing for officials that has to happen at a certain frequency. And so we did a lot of work to take some of the existing tools that we have and, and bake in some of these new, what I would call kind of COVID workflows to make sure that they could solve some of those problems. And so again, we've seen everything from teams using it, uh, to coordinate, you know, symptom checking testing and tracing with officials um, to, again, you know, the example I gave before, using it to uh, order food, uh, where they, you know, a lot of our organizations had to use Teamworks or thought of Teamworks as the way for athletes to place an order for what they want to have for lunch, but that became a use case very quickly. Yeah. Um, before we get into the future, um, you played at Duke, so you have the athlete mindset, so I, I assume that some of this was this is what you experienced. Is that what the genesis of Teamworks was for you, that you felt there was a better way the team could have communicated with one another? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was absolutely born out of my experience. So I, I came to Duke in 2003 on a football scholarship. And, you know, my experience in 2003, was even back then, uh, there was a pretty robust ecosystem of support that had been constructed around the athletes. So beyond just coaches, trainers, and strength staff, we had a full-time nutritionist, a sports psychologist, behavioral psychologist, academic advisor, life skills coaches. We had about 15 different professionals that worked with each athlete. And, you know, their, their shared goal was how do we make each kid as successful as possible on the field, in the classroom, and in life. But the, the reality as I experienced it was that that ecosystem and the sheer number of people involved had grown faster uh, than the systems of work 
that supported how all those people connected with each other and how they connect connected with their athletes. And so, you know, what would end up happening oftentimes, and I'll just use my schedule as an example, you know, as you can imagine, each one of those people needed to get a piece of me throughout the week. And so one person would text me when they needed to meet with me. Another person would email me. Another one would write it up on a whiteboard. Another person would put a slip of paper in my locker and so on and so forth. And inevitably, I'd end up double booked or I'd end up, hey, Zach, we need you at this place at this time. 15 minutes later, we need you over here, except the travel time between those two is 30 minutes apart. And so you can imagine what happens, right? You end up showing up late or missing an appointment. When I played, if you showed up later, you missed an appointment. You ran the stadium stairs at four o'clock in the morning. Well, Bram, we'll, we'll just leave it that I was in incredible cardiovascular shape at the end of my freshman year. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm frustrated. They're frustrated. And really the problem was, is that we didn't have a central hub that they all used to communicate with each other and to communicate with me. And so I started with this problem of schedules and I actually, as an assignment while I was an undergrad, I built a tool. And it was just a hosted calendar in the internet that would sync up my class schedule. And then my coach could go in and put practice. My strength coach could put workouts. My trainer could put rehab and so on and so forth. And all those people were now able to passively collaborate with each other. And I had one place, one schedule, one source of truth for where I needed to be. Built it, turned it in. Um, and you know, started talking to my father, who's been a very successful entrepreneur in his own right. And he said, you know what? I think there's something here you need to dig in a little bit more because guess what? If Duke can't figure this out with all the smart people that they have there, my guess is nobody can. And, and what I found, Bram, was that it wasn't just scheduled. It was everything. That, that problem that I had was a symptom of a much larger information sharing disease that existed in these big athletic organizations. And so, you know, I decided to, to really expand and, and build a broader solution that would house schedules, you know, day-to-day -day chat and communication, paperwork, you know, to where it is today, where we're now, we've got, you know, team travel planning, we've got academic you know, advising, everything's happening in this central hub. And what it does at the end of the day, all what it does at the end of the day is it gives the athlete one place, one app to go to for their entire athletic career. Everything that they need to know is now on that little app on their phone. And that's, that's come from my experience, right? I mean, that's me just saying, hey, how can we combine technology uh, with kind of this this use case and, and make my life and the people that are trying to help me make their lives better as well. I don't want to get too far off track, but are, are you selling this to corporations? Like don't they have to get their teams in order too? You, you know what? You're right. They do. But, but I would tell you two things. One, no, we're not. We are focused only on athletic organizations and that's why we've been successful. Right. When I come into an athletic organization and I say, hey, I want you to buy my collaboration software. I want you to buy my informational hub. The first thing they're going to say to me is, well, how, how is this better than just using something that Google sells or Microsoft Teams? And the answer is that both the software and the people implementing it, the only thing that we do is solve the problems of athletic organizations. Yeah. So number one, our technology is domain specific. So if you go into Microsoft Office and you try to schedule uh, let's say you want to schedule an appointment for your team 
using Outlook. Outlook's not going to tell you that that appointment is going to put you in violation of NCAA bylaws. Teamworks is. That's an example of the main expertise being built into the software. But also, when we come in to work with an athletic trainer who, let's say, needs to schedule appointments for athletes and set up reminders, we're not going to come in and say, here's how you create an appointment, here's how you set up a reminder. Hey, you know at the end of the season when you got 30 guys that are having surgery and you're waking up at 5 a.m. to call them, make sure they're on their way to their doctor's appointments, let me tell you how you're going to set that up in Teamworks. And then Teamworks is going to call those athletes and wake them up. Once it knows that they're up, it's going to text you to let you know that they're awake and on the way. And then it's going to check them in when they get to the hospital and give you confirmation that they've arrived on time for their appointment. So I think for us, the focus on sports is actually why we have been successful and why we're eating the lunch of those horizontal solutions every single day of the week. Since you were kind of at the forefront of a tech solution for athletic teams, and clearly you've been a big success at it with Teamworks, I am curious about your thoughts and investment in sports tech in general right now, which it feels like there is an explosion of it in terms of athlete entrepreneurs, probably coaching entrepreneurs as well, and just a general acceptance of technology coming into the space as they work with and as it changes the sports. How do you kind of view sports and technology in 2021? So I think it's it's interesting. So if you you know if you go back twenty years, I mean I think the early two thousands are where you saw kind of the first wave of sports technology, and and frankly, you know a lot of the technology was pretty clunky. You, you didn't really have some of the best practitioners of technology in this space, um, but you did have some some early investment. Um, and but in large part, technology was not a core part of you know if you pulled your average strength coach or head of sports performance, technology was not a core part of their strategy. If you, you know, pulled out your average head athletic trainer or head of sports medicine, technology was not a core part of their strategy. And I think what, what's happened is we're now in what I would call kind of the, the second or maybe third wave of, of companies in this space. Um, the technology, so the, the folks that are building technology are of a much higher caliber and the folks that are buying technology it's now a core part of their strategy. So, you know, you walk into the, the average NFL training room and it's littered with technology. And, and when you talk to the average head of sports medicine in the NFL, and they're going to they're gonna talk about how big part of their strategic plan for success is implementing technology. So I think that the change in the last decade has been that there's been significant investment at what I would call department level what I think has been accelerated by COVID is for the first time, um, particularly in college, because college is, is really, I think, uh, you know, a little bit behind um, the pros in the sense that technology has not had a seat at the table with most athletic directors. I mean, if you look at the senior staff in most athletic departments, you, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that has the title chief technology officer. Why is that, right? is that a budget thing, Zach? Is that, is that why they don't have the money no. to do that? No, I mean, you, you look at these universities. I mean, they, they have the money to do a lot of things. They have the money to do what they prioritize. But I think, I think it's, some of it's a generational change. So, and some of it is COVID I think has been a wake up call to some of these schools that they were remiss in investing in their technology infrastructure and, you know, whether it's been public or private, I think some of them have hurt in the last nine months because they didn't have the right infrastructure in place. So 
the average college athletic department, I think you're going to see a lot of investment in the silos. But what you're not seeing is a central organized strategy from the top. So you're going to see coaches that have the best coaching technology. You're going to see strength coaches that have the best sports performance technology, so on and so forth. But what you're just now starting to see is ADs and CFOs saying technology needs to be a core part of our strategy moving forward. It's going to be how we win. And I actually think, you know, particularly in college, the last 10 years, have been dominated by the facilities arms race. Yes. The next 10 years are going to be dominated by the technology arms race. Um, in what way? In, in what way do you think that they're going to gain an advantage with technology? It, it, so, listen, like you, you've maxed out what you can do with people and facilities. I mean, how many more nutritionists can we hire that are coming to the, you know, the same conclusions as all professionally trained nutritionists are going to come to about you know, what sort of inputs we need to give an, a given athlete to get the right, you know, outputs in terms of energy and performance. You know, I, I think it's all about, take, you know, hey, you've invested hundreds of millions of dollars in assembling the best professionals and the best facilities, but we have to use technology to optimize. Yeah. You know, and, you know, like I, I would argue a big part of why, you know, we can talk about what Teamworks is functionally. It's a hub. Information flows across it. But a big part of why we get brought into an organization is we are really, really good at affecting the behavior of the athlete. We're really good at getting information in front of the athlete in a way that they actually absorb it. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's not just enough to say we know what the athlete needs to eat. How do we actually get them to follow that plan? It's not just enough to say we know when the athlete needs to do their rehab. How do we get them to actually follow that plan? So that's number one. But also when I talk about the technology that's in those silos, I mean, think about what happens when you connect it. Think about, you know, an athlete that's wearing a whoop bracelet that's telling us, you know, how well they're sleeping. An athlete uh, that when they go into the weight room, there's another device that's watching them while they work out and the quality of their workout and grading it automatically. And there's another, you know, app that's tracking what they're eating. And then there's another app that's collecting all their stats on game day. The connection of all those different data points is going to drive better decision-making. And I think very soon we're going to see organizations that have connected all those data points at, to the point where that athlete's walking into the weight room and what he's being asked to do is changing in real time based upon how he slept, what he ate that morning, and six other data points that were collected on their way there in order to optimize their performance at the next competition. So I, but I think that's not possible without somebody at the top saying, we've got to have an organizational roadmap for our technology. Yeah. And it's, and it's gotta be, you know, cause right now what it is is the, the coaches buy what they need in their silo, the trainers buy what they need in their silo sports performance in their style. And it's all, I think it's going to be all about bringing it together in a cohesive way so that everyone benefits. And we as an organization are smarter and more efficient. Um, all right. I'll let you go on this. I'm just very curious about um, just your thoughts on this too, which is there is a, just a massive seat change with cryptocurrency. And I wonder how you kind of view that in the lens of opportunity in sport. So I, I think the most interesting technology um, and the one that's really hot right now is non-fungible tokens or NFTs. And the way that, you know, I, without getting into kind of like exactly how technology works, these are, are digital collectibles that are provably unique, um, that are built on top of, of, you know, a blockchain. 
And what's interesting about that is, you know, you, you think about kind of the industry of collectibles. Um, there's, you know, that is a category that sports, you know, plays a, you know, there, there's so many, you think about playing cards, you think about, you know, somebody's shoes, you know, uh, autographs, you know, all these things that sports fans collect. And what NFTs enable is, is for us to take that same concept and move it to a digital world. And what's really interesting about it is, you know, for example, you think about like name, image, and likeness and what's happening in, in college. I think people are so focused on how athletes used to monetize their name, image, and likeness. So there's all this conversation, well, are athletes going to be allowed to be paid for a physical autograph? My question is, you know, are athletes going to be allowed to and how will they provide digital autographs? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think NFTs, I think that's the most interesting application right now. I heard a, a really interesting um, actually take on NFTs that applies to ticket sales. So I think it was Mark Cuban was talking about, hey, we want to use non-fungible tokens to issue tickets and actually have a system where um, those tickets, just like it's done today with other systems, those tickets can be traded and resold. But the way that the technology behind NFTs works is the creator gets a cut of every transaction. And that's automated. So how cool is that where, you know, the original team that issues the ticket can say, hey, you know, we're going to sell this ticket at this price and we want, you know, you know, we know what our margin is. But if it gets resold, we get a 10% cut of every resale. And I, I think that's really interesting for sports business. So there's I think NFTs are probably the most interesting technology. And then more broadly, um, you know, I think Bitcoin and you know, really decentralized finance as a whole are disrupting the way every business can is operated from a financial perspective. And I think those technologies will find their way into every area of sports that deals in financial transactions at some point. Zach Moritis is the CEO at Teamworks. Thank you very much for the time and the broad conversation. Really appreciate it, Zach. Bram, thanks for having me. On the next Future Sport Podcast, a bubbled NCAA tournament is set to begin. We were a company that was primarily known for performance tracking, you know, worrying about speed, acceleration, positional data that you know, performance directors and data analytics, analytics uh, individuals are looking at from a day in and day out perspective. We were able to, to take our product and kind of strip it down to its simplest form. That's Jim Garofalo, Executive Vice President at Kinexon, whose technology is helping everyone navigate best practices to keep safety in mind as the play continues. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.